Star City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do? Liquor Mark. I'm doing pretty well, man. We are almost a day away from the draft, almost 24 hours away from the draft. And it's time, Tim. We're about to do our Hornets big board. We did, we did a full draft podcast last year, so this is becoming an annual tradition. We're going to be ranking... Uh, 10 players that we think the Hornets might pick at 13 and 15. So we have sort of this top eight that we think are out of reach for the Hornets. I'll list those players off real quickly so you guys know they're not involved in the uh, 10 players we're going to be ranking. Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, Chet Holmgren, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Jaden Ivey, Ben Matherin, and Keegan Murray. All those players I think are pretty much out of our reach, right, Tim? I would, I would say so. Okay, cool. So what we're going to be doing from here is we're just going to be drafting this group of 10 players that we, that we think the Hornets might pick. Um, and Tim, you have elected to take the first pick since there's no actual like meaning in this draft. I let you have the first pick. And uh, who, who are you going to take? Who's first on your big I'm board? running to the board. I'm taking Tari Eason from LSU. Okay. Um, I just think that you know, we talked about it last episode, you know, the Hornets, you know, we owe a future first round pick that has good protection. I will say shout out to Mitch Kupchak. But uh, I think that this is one of those guys that could kind of change how we how we view the team going forward. I think this is like a good upside swing, but also a relatively safe pick. Uh, yeah, Tari Eason, number one on my board. Uh, he has a, you know, six, eight. He's the the three that we need, the small forward that we need. The shooting maybe needs a little bit of improvement, but I think that his defense, his hands, his body, everything, I think it's just, you know, what, what we need three years from now. Yeah, so your, your talk about, like, needing wings has sort of swayed me towards leaning towards, like, wings a little bit more than I thought I would uh, going, going into this uh, draft process. And for the Hornets, he's a great fit. I also think he's just, like, the best available out of, out of the uh, remaining players. I, I have him there as well. I, I don't know if it's just like group think and us talking about him or me watching his highlights and just being like, dang, this guy does kind of look like Kawhi Leonard. He has the biggest hands in the NBA draft. Um, he's the first player since Matisse Thibel in 2019 to post a block rate of at least 6% and a steal rate of at least 4%. This dude gets stocks, Tim. He gets steals and blocks. Kawhi Leonard-like hands. Obviously, that's a little bit hyperbolic, but he has very good instincts on defense, uh, and he's a good shooter on offense. 36% on threes and 80% on free throws at LSU. The negatives with him are, like, can you rein him in on offense and get him to, like, stop driving with reckless abandon towards the rim? Uh, He also gets into foul trouble a lot. He just plays with, like, a little bit too much aggression, but I think that is coachable. I think that is coachable um, in the NBA, and I'm, I'm betting on that. Um, and, yeah, I'm su- super high on Tari Eason. I also had a number one on my list here. Yeah, so I guess we should, uh, we should talk a little, you know, draft philosophy for the listeners. Um, 
I, I like to view prospects like it's fun to think about what their best case scenario is, mm-hmm. but that can blind you a little bit. You know, we'll talk about if ability later. How many ifs does a guy need, uh, you know, to actually like, you know, Jeremy Sohan is really what, what started this. Like if the three point shot starts to work, if he can play four and has, if there is a five that can shoot threes next to him, like, how many ifs do you go? And that kind of factors in with upside. But I think that it's a good way to look at players. Like, assume that any of these guys would be the fourth best player on a team. Okay. Like, you know, closer like to, to a role player, which is what a majority of NBA players are, just statistically. So yeah. it's like, how do these guys fit in? Tari, I just see as someone who will be a dominant player in transition, would maybe be able to attack a closeout as the, like, you know, third, like, tertiary ball handler, I just think that, yeah, I mean, with, it, with the defense, with the size, with the versatility, I'm not a big believer in the jump shot right now. I think it might have to be worked on. I think it's a little low. But, yeah, I mean, I just – I think as a 6'8 wing with 7'2 wingspan, I just I, – I, it would almost be – it'd be too much to say it'd be foolish to pass on him. But if he's there at 13, I think that that is our guy. Um, yeah, and so we definitely are, like, in the minority of – draft experts on Tari Eason, although there are people who have him high on their rankings. I took like the rankings of five prominent uh, sources and took the average of their rankings into what is now known as the liquor mark metric. Uh, Some might call it average draft position. I'm going to go with liquor mark metric because this is my podcast. I can can do what I want. Uh, So I went with Sports (laughs) Illustrated's Jeremy Wu, Kevin O'Connor, Sam Vecini, the ESPN Big Board, and I gave a little bit of love to the All Hornets Podcast Network's own James Plowright. I threw his rankings in there as well. Averaged them out uh, for just kind of a concept of where you, these players might be drafted. Tari Easton's at 16.8 average ranking on the out of those. So that's lower than, you know, we both have him here at nine, uh, basically on our, on our big boards. And uh, so, yeah, we're in the, we're in the minority, but... When somebody like when you're comparing him to somebody like Sohan and you're talking about like all the ifs, I was thinking about it and like Sohan's more athletic. I don't think there's really any question about that. But also like Tari Easton just does more while doing less, right? Like he's just more of an intuitive player. Sohan's out there moving around like all frenetically, and like he's definitely he's definitely got a lot going on. He's definitely an athletic player, more athletic than Easton, I think. But Eason's able to just, like, be effective as a defender. He's like, oh, this guy's going left. I'm going to steal the ball, and I'm going to break away in transition and dunk, right? Like, he doesn't have to, like, move all, all around like Sohan does to get his plays. Uh, he just has a higher basketball IQ, I think. And I value players who are, like, already really good at basketball. Sohan has a lot of is to show that he's going to be a very effective basketball player uh, in the NBA. Yeah, it. It comes off as reductive, but it is just, you know, like a, a fact. It's like, if you could not shoot, it's really hard to play. Yes. Like, Matisse Thibault might be, like, you know, the, you know, hit, Gary Payton Jr. is actually a great example, where he bounced around the league for 10 years. And once he came to the Warriors, where there was enough spacing that he could, you know, actualize, like, he looks like an awesome player. But Gary Payton, you know, the second, like, you know, Jr., like, if he's on the Washington Wizards, it's just not that effective. It's really hard to be a good NBA player without shooting. I mean, it just, it counts more than, you know, if you're a great playmaker, uh, you can't really shoot. It's like Josh Giddy would have been the number one overall pick if he shot 40% from three. It's like, man, shooting just does count more than anything else. And when you pair that with a, you know, with a fantastic body and, you know, great wingspan and the ability to, I mean, his dribbling, his dribbling does need some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really pounds the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, dribbled off his feet a couple times. But yeah, I mean that that upside with a with a team that we have now, where he's like, you know, just maybe will be like an energy guy for the first year off the bench. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's supercharged. Awesome. Who, right. uh, who are you taking number two? Number two, I'm going with AJ Griffin, uh, who we have not talked about on the podcast yet. I don't know if he'll actually be available at 13. But he's 6'6", 220. Tim Space is shocked. 18 years old, uh, wing out of Duke. Liquor mark metric of 11.2. So he's got a pretty high uh, average draft ranking uh, from the other other uh, sources. 
knockdown shooter, Tim, probably the best shooter in the draft, 44.7% from three on good volume. He took 54% of his shots from three in college. So he was, you know, again, shooting them a high volume, average four threes attempted per game in only 24 minutes. Uh, Pretty good vision offensively. And one of the reasons I'm higher on him is that he wasn't asked to do all that much at Duke with such a stacked roster. Um, And I think there's a lot more to be shown in the NBA from A.J. Griffin. Now, the knocks on A.J. are that he has bad injury history, uh, his knee injury in his junior year in, in high school and an ankle injury in his senior year kept him out of those two seasons. He played only a limited amount. And then he had knee surgery prior to college. So if that's recurring, I could be looking back on this as like a terrible pick at second. Um, but I think athletically, he has the, the uh, possibility. If you look at some of this dude's high school highlights, like he was showing way more in high school than he showed in college um, with Duke on that stacked roster. So combine those two factors together. And I think he not only is a great shooter, but can do more than that uh, in the NBA. I am flabbergasted. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, explain, explain why you don't like him as much. Okay. Um, He was, he was seventh on my uh out of the, the 10 on there and i will say i mean shooting wise beautiful i yeah. mean like one of the best shots kind of has like a weird like base on his legs like gets very high out but like my goodness he is a fantastic shooter but he yeah. talks about like oh when he was in high school this and that like he is from the gordon hayward school he is a brittle boned boy yeah there's no doubt about it his hips are terrible his knees look bad. I felt bad. Like, whenever you watch him, like, drive, like, I rewatched the UNC game, the tournament, like, he looks like he's 32 years old yeah. when he moves. But I was saying about how shooting is far and away the most important thing, and I think that the shooting is real. I, mean, I think he could be, you know, just, like, seven attempts at about, like, you know, 38 40% from three. I think that's fantastic. But the defense is really bad. I don't really see the passing that much. I mean, he, people joke about like, oh, this is the old man at the Y type of thing. I don't even know if he could slap a backboard. I mean, <laughs> I think that, I think his body is bad. Like it, it, it makes me sad because I did yeah. watch his high school highlights and man, he looked amazing. He would be the number one pick in this draft. No question. But you know, when you have the lower body injuries that early on, I don't know. Like, I don't think the athleticism is going to return. If it did, I think that he would be worth, you know, like the fourth pick in the draft. No question. But I just think with, you know, between his hips, back, legs, I just, I, I just, I, I can't see it really, really working out for him. But at the very least, like, I mean, even if his knees are shot, he's going to shoot, you know, like he's going to be a great three-point shooter. So the floor, the floor is not super low unless he continues to get injured. I mean, I think he'll be a rotation player at the very least. Here's my thinking is like you said, floor is high and like he didn't have that much time to recover going into this season. So like dude just might've been out of shape for half the season. Um, and I mean, obviously like the, that's like, he's going to he's going through like Duke training programs. Like he's not completely out of shape, but uh, I think that the combination of that factor where he wasn't in his peak this past season by all accounts, right? Like he's coming off that knee surgery. He's not going to be playing at his best uh, in his first year at Duke. And then combine that with the people he was playing with, that Duke team notoriously stacked in terms of NBA talent. I think there, I think there's more to show. And I think there is, there is a little bit of upside there. Like I'm kind of betting on that he regains a little bit more of his athleticism uh, with like a full off season um, going into the draft. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, almost like Michael Porter Jr., in the draft where like you know highly touted out of high school had some injuries but i think that porter maintained the athleticism and even then i mean he missed pretty much the entire last season missed his entire first season showed great flashes but you know porter's also 610 and had more burst than he did another guy from duke really two guys from duke that kind of you know maybe my my thinking is you know biased to this harry giles harry giles was like the number one prospect coming out looked awesome you know, the Kings ended up taking him at 20. His knees were shot. 
and Jabari Parker, who did not have injuries really until he got to the league. But it's like, yeah, he tore two ACLs, and randomly this second overall pick is not able to play anymore. I think the injuries are – I think you're discounting the injuries a little, a, little, a little too much, even though I do think – I mean, you know, as long as he's able to stay on the floor, I think he's really bad defensively also. Okay. But as yeah. a shooting specialist, I kind of view him – almost like Corey Kispert last year Mm. where I think that Kispert was a great shooter, kind of bad on defense, lacking athleticism. I don't know. I just, I think, I don't think that Griffin will ever be able to like, he can't get to the rim. He can't finish. He won't be able to finish in the league. So, I mean, you're really banking on him being a 40% three point shooter. Which I think he is. Uh, So, so I am, I am banking on that. I'm I'm taking a, a couple ifs here, Tim, for sure. On uh, on AJ Griffin, but I'm I'm sort of a believer. Um, who you got number three? Um, I am taking a guy that you are lower on, okay. uh, Malachi Malachi Brandon. Oof! Out of All right. uh, go ahead, Ohio State. Which I was shocked. I thought that yeah, like I joked, he was like made in the lab for you to really enjoy. <laughs> um, so what I do with him? So Malachi, he averaged 14 points three and a half rebounds, two assists, one and a half turnovers, but he shot 50% from the field, 42% from three and 83% from the line, about three threes attempted per game. He was on a pretty sack team. I think that his jump shot is gorgeous. I mean, I just think that he's one of those guys that almost, you know, like, you know, we'll, we'll relate it back to Kemba where like Kemba was like turned into a really good three point shooter, but he was not, he's not like shooting from 26 feet. Kemba's toe was always right next to the line. And I think that's the biggest thing with Malachi right now, where his range off the dribble is not fantastic, but he did shoot 44% on catch and shoot jumpers from three. And he kind of reminds me of like almost either like a kind of like Eric Gordon when he was on the Clippers before he had like, you know, some knee injuries, hip injuries and his athleticism was sapped. I mean, he's, he's 6'5", a 6'10 wingspan, a beautiful jump shot, terrible shot selection. But I could see him being a Terry Rozier replacement within, you know, like, a, like this time next year. I just think that his catch and shoot is beautiful. And he's got the athleticism that he could, you know, like not be a negative defender. I, I, I think he can, you know, create his own shots. I don't see why you're so down on him. All right, so the issues that you talked about with Malachi Branham are that he, uh, you know, often had, like, mid-range shots instead of threes. It seemed like he had to step inside the line uh, to shoot the ball. It seemed like he couldn't, couldn't shoot the ball from three. Uh, so I have questions about his range. Uh, he shot the ball from three very well, 42.5% in college, but on a small volume, 83 points, uh, 83 pointers attempted only. Um, and with the college line being shorter than the NBA, I have questions about his range uh, in the NBA. And he, he can't be shooting as many mid-range shots as he did this past year in the league. He's got he's to extend his range to three. So, yeah, it reminds me of, like, DeMar DeRozan, just, like, needing to dribble inside the line to be able to shoot it. Uh, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, great player. But that's just, like, you know, what, what was called to mind. Like, DeMar DeRozan's like, I got this open three, but let me take a dribble inside, right? Uh, also, he doesn't get that much. Is also... What's up? Yeah, go. No, I was going to say DeRozan is also, you know, he's, he's like four inches taller. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. Three inches taller. Yeah. And he also was someone who like struggled to separate himself from defenders. Um, He was putting up shots with a guy in his face and hitting them. But I wonder about how that's going to work in the NBA. At times he would get a shot blocked in college. And I think that's just going to happen more and more in the NBA. If he can't create space. Um, I don't think he was particularly good at that in, in college. He, he was taking difficult shots and hitting them again, but like not, not with the defender, even, you know, three feet away from him. He was that the defender was in his face, but he, but he was able to hit the shot. Um, so I think he'll get blocked more in the NBA. And I view him as somebody who's like really only good at bucket getting. Uh, he's, he's a bucket getter for sure, but I view like his peak as like a, like a sixth man scoring option. Um, and I don't really see necessarily the fit um, with the Hornets. I like what you're saying about a Terry Rozier replacement. 
but I'm not sure he's good enough at at scoring to ever fill that void of an actual starting level uh, shooting guard in the league. That's sort of where I stand on, on him. Okay, so I would I would counter by saying he shot sixty percent out of the pick and roll on eighty nine possessions. So good for you know one point oh four points per possession. So a lot of those were twos. Um, and obviously, you know, like the mid range, I don't think that that's going to be as big of a thing. But he was also the primary creator on a lot of these possessions. Where now he will be. It'll be Lamelo passes to Miles. Miles drives. He kicks out, and then you know the defense is you know they're not they're not set. I just view him as someone who at least has the upside to be like I would I would rank him maybe above, especially due to his age. He's only nineteen years old. Um, I mean, I don't think that James Booknight should be a deterrent to not draft him. Um, he also, I mean, he did. He shot 61% at the rim in the half court. But I do agree, he doesn't have the crazy explosive moves. He's kind of herky-jerky, so I could see that becoming a little bit of a problem there. He's not like an extremely good athlete. But I just view someone who could be a secondary creator and like run some bench units two (laughs) years from now. You know, it'll be James Booknight's age you know, two years from now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that, I think that the shot is real. And I think I would describe him as like a very functional, like an economic dribbler. He's not like super flashy in the same way Book Knight is. Like, you know, his handle could definitely get tightened up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he just, he pretty much just goes between legs and then gets out, you know, and like goes a little, he's not a straight line driver, he kind of needs a little more room to move around. So he's got like a wider base. But I mean, I think that the handle is good and the shooting is good. And, you know, we're talking about wings, 6'5", six, 6'10", six, wingspan. He, his jump shot reminds me of Donovan Mitchell. Not like him totally as a player, but just the jumper. It's very straightforward. I, I enjoy it. I, and it. I'm assuming that he's going to cut out the terrible mid-range shots. Okay, yeah. So I have listed six four, and, and size is definitely like a worry here. I would rather draft. Uh, you know, we're talking about players who can only do like like one thing. Well, AJ Griffin, Nakai Branham. I'd rather I'd rather draft AJ Griffin, who's two inches taller, um, and probably a better three point shooter at this point. Less he doesn't less have any knee cartilage. <laughs> yeah, less less That's explosive. Kind of a big deal. And then I I don't think that he's like as explosive as somebody like book night. Um, he's limited as a passer. He's small. And like, I just think he, he only really I, is, is good at this one, one thing, which is, which is scoring. I had, I had a mate. But I don't, I don't think he's small. I think, you know, with a six ten wingspan. Yeah. And you know, six, five, I mean like, yeah, I mean, he's not a three, but I mean, for a two, I think that he's perfectly adequate size, like, I don't know. I guess I guess we're just not we're not seeing eye to eye on this. Yeah, I mean, I think that he could be better than Book Knight. And I don't think that, you know, Book Knight was so great in Greensboro. We can't possibly take another two. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, as far as creation goes and, you know, we're we're rumored we're looking to move off Terry Rozier's contract before the extension even kicks in. And, yeah, I just think that, you know, having another another ball handler is just never really been a problem for any team. Okay, so yeah, we'll agree to disagree. Uh, fourth, I'm taking Mark Williams out of Duke. I'm just drafting all the Duke Duke boys today. Seven two, <laughs> two hundred forty pounds, twenty years old. Liquor Mark metric of thirteen point six. That's his average draft ranking. Um, he has elite size and length at seven two with a seven seven wingspan in a nine nine standing reach. The second best standing reach in combine history. Only behind Taco Fall, who is seven six, uh, one of the most NBA ready players in the draft. Displayed ability as a pick and roll center, similar to like a Clint Capella or Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, obviously we're not projecting him to be that good defensively immediately, but an elite rim protector, great offensive rebounder. The reasons why you don't take Mark Williams is that his like upside is definitely limited. Um, you know, he could be a problem against smaller lineups. He might get cooked by guards on the perimeter and he might just not be able to play against smaller lineups in the NBA. 
But those are small problems for a team like the Hornets who hasn't made the playoffs yet. Right. Let's make the playoffs first and then we can then we can talk about switchability on defense for for our center. Um, I think he fills the void of the center position that we've been we've been looking for for forever. And I really hope we get him at at least 13 or 15. I had these other players, um, you know, above him in terms of like just like upside. But like I, we need a center. I hope we get him or Duran uh, one way or the other. Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about the if ability earlier, and I guess that's, you know, somewhat correspondent to upside. But what I just view is, like, well, first of all, yeah, like, as you said, you know, making the playoffs, like, I hope two years from now our big problem is, like, man, we were in the conference finals. Mark Williams just had trouble staying on the court. That <laughs> yeah. means that we've just, you know, we're, we're having a fantastic season. Yeah, he was, uh, he was next on my list as well. And I just view there's not, there's not many ifs for him like no nope. you know like we're not we're not worried about a shot like i'm just viewing him right now as like you know the best rim protector of this class a guy who i mean there is a difference between being like you know jalen duran is six nine mark williams is seven two that's a really big gap J- jalen duran six eleven but not six nine no it's yeah, we got we got we got different differing measurements here on the podcast. Not not particularly interesting podcast uh, content, but I have him listed six eleven from wherever I got my got my height. Uh, six eleven in shoes, and they've also Memphis has been known to lie about heights a lot of time. I think that Jalen Duran is like six nine six ten. I don't think he's you know as big, and I think that that's a really big difference. So even if he is six ten, let's say. Mm-hmm. Seven two, like I mean, that's a that's a you know mammoth individual. I just think that with his, especially with the seven seven wingspan, I think he's the best lob catcher in the class, other than Duran. I just think that what we're gonna ask him to do, I just don't. I people view it as like, oh, that's just like you know not a big upside. Yeah, but if you have a center that's one of the five best rim protectors in the league and can run pick and roll, that's completely worth the thirteenth pick. And yeah. I think that he's one, like he's safe without like it's not like taking chris duarte mm-hmm. last year like i i think the floor is very high and i think the ceiling i don't think there's that big of a difference between him and duran ceiling yeah yeah and that's where we agree um you know i think he's one of the most known quantities in the draft i think he's come he can come in and play right away and there's nothing wrong with a quote-unquote safe pick like don't try to get too cute here hornets let's let's just get a center because we need a center and let's get Mark Williams. Um, who do you have next? Um, I have Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor, who is kind of, you know, like a three, four, five, you know, known as like the best defender out of the draft. I'm not, I'm not like super in love with him, but I still think that it could be a worthwhile upside pick. And, you know, we were talking about shooting and the shot is not there. So he's a better defender than P.J. Washington, I would say, or at least he projects to be a better defender. But mm. P.J. Washington shoots almost 40% from three. Right. So it's like Sohan might have, you know, like, he might be better in four out of five categories, but shooting just does matter more. But I think it's worth the pick. If he were to fall to us, I just think with such a weak defensive team like the Hornets have been, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile swing. All right, yeah, so he could be the best defensive player in this class, uh, non-centers. Somebody who could potentially guard one through five, and I know that you get annoyed at that phrase, but I think he actually could do it. There's this play against Carolina from the tournament where he's just guarding R.J. Davis, shuts R.J. Davis down, R.J. passes to, like, their power forward or center, and then he runs in and blocks the shot from the power forward or center. And it's just like, dang, this this guy has the size and quickness to be a beast defensively. And what you're saying about PJ Washington, like PJ Washington is a 40% shooter. So the disadvantages are that he's an extreme project on offense. He can't really do anything too well right now. Uh, he shot 58.5% from two, but shot 29.6% from three. And since he isn't quite a center, he needs to be able to hit three point shots if he wants to be able to be a sustainable NBA player. Like the other option would be he turns into Draymond Green and has elite passing ability, but I don't see that happening. So he shot 59. Yeah, it's like that's not going to happen, right? 
Like his, his fit in the NBA is dependent on him developing an offensive skill set that he hasn't shown yet. Uh, I think he only averaged like seven points per game at Baylor. He shot 59% on free throws too. So he's just a bad shooter. Um, it's not like that 3%, three-point percentage was like, you know, weirdly low. Uh, his free throw numbers suggest that he's just a bad shooter. Uh, he has a decent handle, but it's not like he's ever really going to be creating shots for himself. All we need him to do is to be able to hit threes. And offense is more important than defense. That's why I have him lower on my, on my board. I think I have him at fifth uh, on, on my board out of these 10 than you do uh, by just by like one pick. But, you know, if, if he can hit threes, he's going to be a great NBA player. If he can't hit threes, I don't know, I don't know what, what he does. Right. Like he's he's a good defender, but name the players in the NBA who are just good defenders. Right. Like Matisse Thibault can't play in the can't play in the playoffs. Right. He's a great defender, but can't do anything else. Can't play in the playoffs. So um, that's where I am a little bit lower on Sohan. But I see the I see the upside. I see the potential. Right. Like if if he hits, he's really going to hit liquor mark metric of ten point eight. So he's projected to go before before we get to the chance to draft. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that I could see four years from now who, like, make an all-star game, and NBA nerds would be like, how did he possibly go 12th overall? What weren't we seeing? But there's just a lot that has to go right for him. Yeah, again, like, you know, we talked about the if ability. It's like, so he's not big enough to play five. Mm -hmm. He's not big enough to play five, so that means that he has to play next to, if he's a non-shooter then the center has to be a shooter, which there are not a lot of those guys mm-hmm. around, unless he's just so outrageously good on defense that he can cover up for that. I, I, like, I like the pick. He's also, we should mention that he's one of the younger players in this draft. This is like a weirdly old draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like all these guys are like, you know, 20 years old, mm-hmm. uh, you know, compared to like, you know, 18 and a half. So I, I like it. And I think that a team like, you know, you, you brought up Draymond Green. And Draymond Green's like one of my favorite NBA players like of the last 10 years. But as great as he is, and like, you know, probably the best defense, definitely the best defensive player of this generation. If he didn't play with Steph Curry, he probably would be playing in Europe right now. Yeah. 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 It takes a very particular skill set for Draymond Green to be able to function as at like such a high level that, that he does, um, like a skill set around him, right? So Sohan. I think if he hits, he's really going to hit. There's a lot of upside there, but I'd rather take a player who's good on offense and lacks a little bit on defense um, and not somebody who we need to fix offensively rather than fix defensively. I, I just, I just value offense a little bit more. And that's, that's why I have him where I do. But with that being said, I don't think I would be very upset with the pick. I, I like, like I could talk myself into it very quickly. Um, yeah. Almost. This is like a, a throwback, which is, kind of sad to say it because it doesn't seem that long ago but like guys like Willie Cauley Stein where they're just like man he is like the best defensive player in the country it's like well those guys like you know I mean they they just don't hit very often whereas like I think defense in college is just like a you know college basketball is a different sport than the NBA and like I think about guys like Ben Simmons coming out of LSU he was viewed as like great offensively terrible on defense Markel Fultz, great on offense, terrible in defense. I think a lot of college players, like, maybe they just don't really care. Or, like, you know, they're, they're asked to do different roles on offense that they won't do in the NBA. I just think that it's more important to look at, like, you know, projecting the physical skills versus, like, the actual, uh, the actual results on the floor in college. I agree. Yep, 100%. All right, next up on my list. All right, who you got next? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Jalen Duran, uh, 6'11", according to The Athletic, 250-pound, uh, 18-year-old center out of Memphis, one of the youngest players in the draft, size and mobility at the center position. So unlike Mark Williams, I think he will be switchable um, in the NBA. That's sort of the advantage of Duran. But he lacks a lot of the other skill sets, and he did not show it quite as much in college as Mark Williams did. Uh, he's not as good of a rim protector. He's more of like a weak side uh, rim protector, like coming in for a last second block. Whereas Mark Williams can just stand there and just like, you're not getting to the rim. Um, 
Not very good offensively at the moment. Only made 44% of non-dunks at Memphis, and that's that's a low number. Too many turnovers, too many fouls, and he's lower on my list than Mark Williams just because he's more of a project, and I think there's more bust potential with Duran than a Mark Williams, but also probably slightly higher upside. Yeah, so I understand where, like, you know, if certain people have, like, Duran, like, in the top 10, mm-hmm. like, I see, I see the vision where, like, he's a guy who's shown great passing ability. He can switch. He's probably the best athletic big in the draft, I would say. Like, you know, if, if, even if you're classifying Sohan as a big, like, I mean, some of the alley-oopsie catches are insane. The yeah. radius in which, like, you know, one-handed dunks. My goodness. But I just think that... So even if he hits, like, his 95th percentile outcome, mm. that I just I view that as a guy where, like, his, he's going to be bad for the first year and a half, then he'll probably come on in April, and then, you know, his third year, man, he's really showing great flashes. And then it's like, do I want to pay this guy $70 million? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just don't know how much of the upside can actually be actualized. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's a solid passer. Um, but when are you ever going to be like, hey, Duran, we're going to throw it to you in the post and uh, find a cutter, find Cody Martin, cut. Like, yeah. You, yeah, it's just more, it's more efficient to run, you know, pick and roll. He did have a really bad situation in Memphis. They ran like some of the lowest pick and rolls in all of college basketball. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't believe, like we talked about, again, what ifs? What if his shooting is good? What if he can actually defend the perimeter? What if he can pass? You know, what if he can do this? It's like, I don't know. I don't believe in the shooting. I don't really, I don't think he's as good switching as a lot of people have projected. I'm, I'm lower on him than most, I guess I should say. But again, if he goes to the Hornets, I'm going to be talking up Jalen Duran and Kai Jones just <laughs> demolishing every front court in the league for the next 10 years. The Twin Towers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that if he gets drafted by the Hornets, I will not be upset. Uh, you know, I think we need to get a center in the draft. I mean, we should talk about this. I hope we get, keep both our picks. I hope we get a center. I hope we get a wing. And it'll be a successful draft as long as we do those two things. Um, and basically draft any of the players that we've mentioned so far uh, in those two spots, and, and I'll be happy. Um, but I'm lower on him than Williams. We've talked about it before. I think we can move on to the to the next pick, Tim. Who, who are you picking? Up? Would, yeah. I would – I would say this is this is kind of like a tear break. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. I'm going to be honest. I have I have Tari kind of in his own tier, <laughs> and then like yeah, like not like a big gap, but like you know, just because of like you know positional importance, I have that. Then I kind of have you know Malachi and Mark Williams in like their own tier. Then like you know third tier. So this is like my fifth tier at this point. Okay. So, I, mean, um, yeah, I would have Malachi not not in this tier for clarification. Malachi, yes. I would have eight, and you might not have AJ Griffin in the in the first couple of tiers either. Yeah, so AJ AJ is definitely lower than I am. I'm a I'm a big fan of a for my next pick will be Jalen Williams. Okay, out of Santa Clara. I'm six. Um, yep, so I agree. Yeah, so we're we're not too far off. Um, I do think that he's a little slow. But, you know, he, we're looking at someone who's, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 7'2", wingspan. And I think that, you know, he ran a lot of – it's hard to evaluate guys coming out of smaller schools like this because he's running a lot of pick and roll, and he's showing, like, you know, great passing potential. But how often is he going to run a pick and roll, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, in the NBA, at least like his first year? But I think that just upside-wise – he is definitely worth a look. He's got a great, you know, like great size, great physique. Uh, the shooting, the statistics are good. The shot does not look fantastic, but it's at least trustworthy. And I just think that I'm kind of a sucker for like someone who's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, who can pass. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to overrate those guys every time. Yeah. So the concerns for me with Jalen Williams are that he's 21 years old. It took him three years to come into his own at Santa Clara. Right. So um, that's where the concern is, is that it took him a long time to do this. And but what he did at Santa Clara in his third year 
is super impressive. Like you talked about his passing ability. I'm also a sucker for somebody with a high level uh, passing IQ and he has it. Uh, he was, he had a late growth spurt in high school. So he was like mainly a guard and you can see that in this game. He's, he's like a point guard, a uh, six, six point guard almost. And uh, you know, the players that come to mind, these players were obviously better and like more highly touted, but LaMelo ball, Josh Giddy. Those are the players that I'm, I'm thinking of when I'm watching him. And the only reason why he's this low is because of the age and because of that concern of like, why did it, why did it take this dude three years to do this at Santa Clara? You know, like why, why does this, why does this not happen in your freshman or sophomore season? Um, and yeah, you can shoot the ball pretty well. He shot 39.6% from three in his junior season and 80% on threes reliable jump shooter. I think you take him if you're a team who needs like a little bit more playmaking, whereas with the Hornets, it's like kind of a weird fit. Um, like I, I think straight up, he could just be a point guard, like a six, six point guard. Um, I, I think he has the, the IQ. I think he has the passing ability. Um, so if the Hornets take him, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see his fit on this team. He's like the kind of like an unknown, what is he going to be in the NBA? Uh, unlike a lot of these other players. Yeah. And I think the Hornets, it is, it is an extremely weird fit because, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we have so many ball handlers, but uh, do you know who else played multiple years at Santa Clara college and uh, went 15th overall? No, no. Steve Nash. Ooh, Steve Nash. <laughs> I, Steve Nash. I don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I obviously I'm I'm joking here. I don't think that he's going to be he's going to be as good as Steve Nash. I really would love. I want I want the Thunder to take him at twelve. Uh, they're going to love. They're going to. Yeah. yeah. Like then they, they just have they have SGA. They have Giddy. They have him. They're just running. You know, like the twin towers in the backcourt. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted us to take Giddy last year. I hoped that he would fall to us so we could have, you know, LaMelo and Giddy. I love the big playmakers. I mean, his defense doesn't look great, and he's not, like, super athletic. I mean, he's probably, like, 45th percentile of guys mm-hmm. who would be, like, you know, shooting guards, wings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the shot comes around. I just like, again, yeah, like, the idea of just having a second unit guy where, like, you know, if – Lamelo is getting hounded one game. It's like, oh, you just give the ball to Jalen Williams. Like, he'll he'll figure it out. He, I think it's because he's left-handed. He reminds me of like Kevin Porter, the way that he moves. Mm. I, uh, I'm a sucker for lefties as well. Manu Ginobili, one of my favorite players. I think left-handed players just look a little cooler. And I think if he was right-handed, I might legitimately have him lower. Yeah, on my thing. <laughs> but just just think, like you see left-handed, you're like, oh, that guy is crafty. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice that actually. I'm. I'm never. I'm never one to like particularly notice left versus right-handed. Um, but yeah, what it comes down to the reason why he's this like lower on the board than other players is that if like somebody like Sohan showing what he's showing at 18, I'll take him with the three years younger over Jalen Williams. Even though I think Jalen Williams is a better player for sure right now. Um, just somebody who had three years to figure it out in college. I'll take. I'll take the potential in another player. But I will not be upset if we draft Jalen Williams at 15. I will not be upset at all. Actually, actually, I'll get pretty excited. I'm not gonna lie. I, I like Jalen Williams oh. a lot. I just couldn't put him. I couldn't put him higher. At that point, I'm gonna be like, you know, maybe we should move off of Lamelo. Only you know, that's <laughs> coming up. Like, just, just kidding. All right, who, who do you have next? Okay, um, Ochai Ogjabi, uh, 6'5", 210 pounds, 22 years old, out of Kansas. Liquor mark metric of 17.6. Uh, three and D prospect, he hit 40% of his threes as a senior. It is a great athlete. Big 12 player of the year, and he led Kansas to the national championship. All right, I had him, I guess, seventh on my big board. Uh, his weaknesses are limited, limited on the ball, shot under 30% on his mid-range jumpers. So he was running the show a lot of Kansas but I don't expect him to be doing that in the NBA. Uh, I expect him to be more of like a three and D wing, not a great passer, especially off the dribble. But again, how much do we value that for a player who we're taking at 15 and just want him to be like a, like a three, three and D kind of player. Uh, And then the last weakness is again, the same thing as um, Williams His age took him four years to truly develop into an elite college player. 
but he was probably the best college basketball player uh, last season, considering he took Kansas to the national championship. Um, so you got to value that somewhat. Um, high floor, low ceiling, I think, with Ojai. Yeah, exactly. I agree. You were talking about, you know, creation off the dribble. I haven't seen him dribble. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's doing it. But again, yeah, you know, so six, five, six, six, you know, six, 10 wingspan. Uh, He shot 45% from three off catch and shoots. And he hit 40% off of threes that were 25 feet out in college. And he kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it's because they're, you know, both like seniors, like Cam Johnson. Everyone clowns the Suns for taking Cam Johnson. And like even Kobe White, who was taken fifth overall by the Bulls, like laughed. He was like, man, really? But who's a better player today? Like Cam Johnson is mm-hmm. definitely better than Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no arguments. So he's a little smaller. He won't be able to play like, you know, the four at all. I mean, maybe he could be a backup four. Um, he's but more yeah, of a three. I think, he's, he's kind of set in that role of small forward. Yeah. 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 I would say that like, again, like, you know, if, if you know, I always assume with bench lineups, you can move up one position. So that would mm. be the only thing. Cause you know, the defense is a little easier. I just think, I mean, he can, he can, he can knock down threes mm. and we're talking about how important that is. Like, yeah. I mean, if you can, if you can be like a high 30% three point shooter, then you're going to play in the NBA for 10 years. I know that's a pet peeve of yours. Um, <laughs> you know, me talking about, oh, this guy, this guy will play, you know, for X amount of years. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally in love with him, but I also think that if he came on the team, that he would be good for 17 minutes a game next year. And yes. I think that, you know, we discount, you know, because he's not going to be running pick and rolls, but if he's just like your fourth option on offense and he's able to stretch the floor a little bit, that's extremely valuable. Yep. I, I agree. So this is, this is my uh, first like big tier break here Tim, in my rankings where I wrote in all caps, last three candidates in a category of their own, while we'll be kind of upset if we take them. Nakai Branham is in that category. And then whoever you're taking ninth and whoever I'm taking 10th also in that category for me. Uh, so uh, Ochai, I'd be pretty happy if we took him at 15, although I think I'll be, there'll be one candidate I have ahead of him that I'll be like, we should have taken him. Um, but I won't be, won't be incredibly upset. Like, I think he'll be a good NBA player. Like you said, he's going to play in the NBA for eight years, right? I think you might've said 10, I'll lower it to eight, but yeah, he's going to, he's going to be a solid NBA player. Um, I, I, I think, I don't, I don't see how he like fails unless he just like forgets how to shoot. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I saw some comps of like a slightly bigger Malik Beasley. Mm. I was like, all right, Malik Beasley. Even though the contract four years, sixty-four million, that's too much. But like, yeah, I mean, if, if this guy just, you know, if he's able to hit, you know, if he's able to get up like seven threes per game, it's just like, you know, even like a slightly worse version of like PJ Washington, who is kind of, you know, like in a similar builder, you know, bigger, not a great dribbler. I think that's fine. I'm surprised. I have I have Johnny Davis over him, okay. even though I'm not super high on Johnny Davis. But I just think that it would be worth if they were both on the board and like, you know, the first six guys were taken. I think that Davis can just handle the ball a little more. I, I don't think he'll be like a great three point shooter, but like, I think he'll be adequate. Like, I just think of him again, like as like Gary Harris. <clears throat> like I would take Gary Harris with the 13th pick. Well, so now you're taking Johnny Davis at 13. This is a big swing, Tim. No, no, no. It's, it, that's assuming, like, I would take Tari, I would take Mark Williams, I would take Malachi, I would take all Sohan, the, like... All the players we've talked about so far, but yeah, you're not, yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. you're still not, like, super upset with taking Johnny Davis. So he's six six, maybe actually six five. guard slash wing. I think he's 6'5". Yeah, six five. guard slash wing out of Wisconsin. Uh, Laker mark metric of 10, which is actually the highest of any of these players. But Tim, I'm out. I'm out on Johnny Davis. Uh, I was out. I was out early on. What's the focal point of the Wisconsin offense? But will not be that in the NBA. If he were six eight, then I would say yes. You know, full send. But he's not. He's more of the size of a two or a three. Uh, and you mentioned the three point shot. He shot thirty point six percent from three. He had a negative assist to turnover ratio. Uh, was a ball stopper in college. Not that explosive with the ball. 
And I just don't see the fit on the Hornets. That's kind of why I have him so low. Uh, all those factors taken into account. I, I don't. I just don't see why he's higher than some of these other players that we've talked about um, in terms of average draft ranking from from people. Yeah, I think that comes. You know, we were talking about defense earlier. I think he's probably the best defensive guard in the lottery. Um, and I think that you know. Depends. Even like, you know, Gary Harris was a big guy, like at Michigan State, like, you know, he was running a lot of offense through himself. But like, if you just view him as kind of like a spot up shooter and, you know, you erase a lot of those mid range, like, you know, just have to like chuck it up shots. I just think that his value, I mean, again, Ochai, I like him, but he literally cannot dribble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Johnny Davis is definitely a better dribbler. And even Davis has, you know, like, I don't think he's, like, a great ball handler. Like, you don't want to have him, like, running pick and roll. But he could attack a closeout more than, more than Ochai could. Um, I think they're pretty close. Like, I, I don't have – like, they're in the same tier yeah. to me. I would just say that, like, it might be a little better, like, banking on the upside. Also, like, you know, there's a year and a half difference between them. Uh, I'm not a big Johnny Davis guy. Again, he's pretty low on our boards. You know, you've said the – Liquor mark metrics, you know, they're higher on him. I could see him going like the Pelicans, you know, I could at the eighth pick, like I wouldn't be super shocked. Yeah. Yeah. So I would be more upset with taking Johnny Davis than I would be um, Ochai. And I don't think we have to be worried about the Hornets taking him though, because A, he's projected to go, you know, before we pick, like we mentioned. And B, he said he hasn't talked to the Hornets. So, uh, no, no communication from Johnny Davis and the Hornets. Um, and so I don't think we're looking to draft, draft a guard also. That's sort of what I think. I think we should, we should clarify, like, so, I mean, do you think that Terry Rozier is on the Hornets in two years? Um, probably put it like 50%. It's, it's a coin flip. Okay, so that – and how much, like, do you think there's a chance that, you know, like, after not this season but the next season, do you think that James Booknight will be over or under 25 minutes a game? Um, over. I think we got over? a new coach coming in. I think, I think that Borrego just didn't play him and Kai Jones. I think, I think over. Okay, all right, well, that's – yeah, that's, I think that has to bake into these things where, like, we have, like, you know, Rozier, Cody Martin, Book Knight. We have some two guards, but, like, I'm just not sure, like, how long they are for the team. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's what I'm projecting a little more. That's the only, like, you know, thing with Davis. But that being said, again, I'm pretty – I'm definitely – I think we're both lower on him than, like, the consensus. All right, I'll take the, uh, the last pick here. Uh Usman Jang, 6'10", 215-pound, 19-year-old from the New Zealand Breakers in the NBL. Uh, Liquor mark metric of 13.8, so expected to go relatively high. Um, Some advantages of him are that he's got elite size, I mean 6'10", and potential switchability as a wing. Uh, He also has good control with the ball. Um, But disadvantages kind of like everything else, right? So, like, he's not very explosive. <laughs> yeah. He he has a lot of work to do offensively. He can't shoot the ball very well. He's such he's such a coward at the rim. He's such a coward. Yeah, he often throws up, like, these floaters that you just know are not going to go in when he gets close to the basket. Um, and I, I had him last on my rankings. Apparently, you did as well out of these players. He's such a project uh, offensively. And unlike, like, some of the other wings – like a guy like Sohan, he's not that not that athletic. Um, he's not that quick. He's not that strong. Um, the only thing, like, you know, again, the only thing that he really has going for him is like 6'10", and I think he has good control. Like, I think he he's a player who knows how to, A, control the ball on offense, and then on defense, like, he, he moves well uh, for somebody who's not that quick or not that explosive. Um, but, yeah, offensively, there's so much work to do. He showed flashes of good shooting in the second half of the season. And so he sort of, sort of shot up everybody's big board. To me, that's like a massive red flag. Like let's, let's uh, factor in the first half of the season too. Let's just not just go on this small sample size from the second half of the season. Nah. 
people say he's a good passer. Um, I didn't really see it. I think he only averaged one assist per game in the NBL. Uh, so that's not, that's not really good passing in my eyes. So um, pretty out on Usman. I will be pretty disappointed if the Hornets draft him. Yeah, apparently, I think he has a promise uh, from Cleveland at 14. That's mm-hmm. kind of the buzz going around, so we would have to take him at 13. I think the passing might be a little higher. Like, I think he's above adequate. Okay. And with the size, I think it's good. But, yeah, like, you know, people, people are kind of, you know, I, I think the NBL, I think LaMelo has kind of, like, warped people's idea on the NBL. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, LaMelo wasn't really that good. Oh, yeah. man, well, Josh Giddy only shot 26%. was like, guess what? Josh Giddy's probably not going to shoot 35% from three ever. Like, yeah. LaMelo might have just been an anomaly. These guys, but I, I view Dang as someone, I'm a little higher, but he, again, I mean, he was last on my list. <laughs> I think defensively, I, I believe in him more than you do. I mm-hmm. think that he could be someone, you know, like a 3-4 who is getting into passing lanes. I, I like the length, but... Yeah, out of all these guys, I, I would have him him and A.J. Griffin are last on my list. I think so, yeah, After, A.J. Griffin, eight. Are you just, are you audible in? Audible in I here? am. I am, okay. yeah. Once, once we talked it out, I was like, yeah. I, I think A.J. Griffin, I think he's a, he's a skeleton. He's decrepit. All right. I mean, so I think, so you, you, you uh, just hate me, Tim. Is that, is that what it is? You hate having me having him second? You just don't want to don't agree with me? No, I, I love the fact you have him second. I think that's that's a classic Martic. And then you you were mad at me before the show where I was like, man, I, I really think you like Malachi. And you're like, <laughs> what do you think? I just like bucket getters? And then you take AJ Griffin second. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you do. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I, I agree with your point about the NBL with, with Usman. And... Yeah, the, the the red flags of him rising from like the 30s to the to the potential lottery, it just it just screams like this guy might be a bust. And when you know, I love Jalen McDaniels, but when all I can think about when I'm on, watching Usman Dieng is that he's Jalen McDaniels. That's that's also a red flag uh, for drafting a player 13 or 15. You know, Jalen McDaniels was. I I love that comp actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're very similar players in my eyes. Um, obviously he's young, you know, I could be wrong, but, uh, I'm just going to say book it. Um, he's, he's not going to pan out in the NBA. Should, uh, should we, should we post on our Instagram story? Should we do our, our big board from last year and see who's, who was more right? Well, I mean, I know I'm more right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we can, I can pull, I can pull mine up. I can pull mine up in the notes. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this pod. We will have a draft reaction podcast out sometime uh, after the draft happens tomorrow night. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, be sure to check out the sports illustrated Hornets website. We'll drop the link in the show notes uh, and you can see the most recent articles and news there, including uh, draft rankings. Yep. Draft rankings and also uh, a very talented Thinker and writer Ian Black just got hired uh, to Sports Illustrated. Check check his articles coming out, and uh, yeah, Mark and I will be we'll we'll have this podcast released probably Friday by like Friday midday mm-hmm. after the draft. All right, so last thing, bullet. Uh, let's assume the Hornets keep both picks. Who are you taking at thirteen? Um, I'll take Tari Eason. Who are you? Yeah. I'm taking I'm taking Tari without any question. If we keep keep fifteen, Mark Williams. would you just take Yeah, so we're just okay, so we're 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 online with that. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll have to see how the draft draft shakes out though. There's always like I we mentioned the top eight dudes and how we think they're not gonna fall to us. Well that happened last year with James Booknight. James Booknight fell to us. So it also happened with Malik Monk. So yeah. let's let's yeah. avoid if Shaden Sharp is there at thirteen, for the love of God, avoid it. <laughs> yeah, and one of these guys might fall to us, and we might be in a completely different situation. But we just decided to rank the players that seems like likely that uh, we will be able to draft. I think that top eight will probably go before before we get the chance, but you really never know. Um, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the All Hornets Podcast Network wherever you listen. It's been real, Tim. It's been real. Be safe out there, Lickamark. Peace.